We're live. Okay, we're live. We're live. Oh, shit. Yes. I'm gonna. I want to ask a question. There we go. I want to ask a question before we realize after the fact that this was a topic that should have been discussed. But um, Bubble, are you into pro wrestling at all? Or so I grew you? up on pro, like you know, like watching it, and yeah. I have an admiration. And obviously, there's certain people who doesn't want The Rock and Steve Austin. I don't follow it, but I'm. I like the old stuff, but my guitar player Mike and tour manager Matt, they are legitimately obsessed. So like when we have days off, they'll go up in the hotel and they'll they'll set the they get like the jailbroke laptop thing and they'll like hack the TV screen and they'll play wrestling matches all day long. So I've gotten a lot of exposure. So I kinda like I don't watch it by myself, but when it's on, I'm like I kinda have feel like I have to watch it. I don't know. They've got my interest, but So Matt, where, 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 where you're going is that if The Rock were to run uh, to be president, we would all vote for The Rock? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure, why not? Um, I don't even care what his politics are. You know, he's right. going to be awesome. It's The Rock. He would just lay the stack. What world leaders are going are gonna to argue with The Rock if he's like, hey, this is how we're going to do this? You know, and his like assertive, <laughs> deep, dead, like knife hand voice, you know? <laughs> You go, okay, world peace. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, maybe that's what it, what's required. And here we are to already talking about politics I two know. minutes in. We just <laughs> yeah, said we, we just said we weren't going to do this. So, it's The Rock. I know, it's The Rock. Uh, no, but I, I, I'm just bringing that up out of respect specifically to Jordan, who has made his backdrop so famous now in the past weeks based on professional wrestling. So I just wanted to, I wanted to honor you. By, by starting with that, you know? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think at this point, we had Ronnie on for almost two hours, and it took until us talking after the episode for me to find out that he performed as a professional wrestler. Yeah. So, uh, look. Question and, uh, mark? Uh, you're asking about that? So, uh, do, you know, do you know Ronnie, uh, RJ Devine, or Ronnie Devine? He, uh, he does sound for periphery, does sound for animals as leaders. Good looking guy, red hair, British. I don't know if you. I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with him. Great Did, dude. Was he, uh, was he working for you guys when uh, we were on tour on In Flames? No, that was Marquides. That was Alex okay. who was out with us. But um, I just can't remember. Yeah, no, it wasn't that. But Ronnie is. Uh, you, I mean, you'd love him. He's a great guy. But yeah, cool. I didn't even know this. We found out that he uh, performed as a. Is it semi pro or pro, Jordan? I mean, it's. Uh, he was an independent wrestler, so he wasn't working for like a national or international company. Yeah. Uh, but a pro wrestler is a pro wrestler in that sense. Yeah. Talking about Andy Williams, huh? Making it happen. Yeah, dude. He was uh, yeah. live on TNT last mm-hmm. night. Um, and but, you know what? It's funny. Like, I don't know, I'm sure you've known Andy, Andy probably as long as I have, and it's it's interesting because when he started doing that, I was like, "Homie, you're like 40, but." Okay, we'll see. And then like he made it happen. I was like, "Good for you, man!" Like I know how much he's always been into into wrestling, but and I also know how, like how beat up he is. He wears knee pads on stage, and you know, and he's uh, it's like most of us are starting starting to break down a little bit, even though we keep putting our bodies through terrible stuff. But uh, I'm so proud of him. He killed it. He's just he he really brought it to life. And uh, I know it's just cool to see somebody go for something so unrealistic and out of out of the the box of any. I mean. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I've only met one wrestler in my life. That Baron Corbin. Um, he used to date Maria Brink, and I 
went and saw them when they played in Tampa. We toured with them forever ago, and Baron was there hanging out, and that's that's where I first met him. And um, I remember him being like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be a wrestler." I'm like, "Well, you're huge, so okay." <laughs> and then now he's obviously done really well. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know that world. I'd argue he's one of the most effective uh, heels or bad guy pro wrestlers in the most traditional sense, which is high praise. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he lives it. Uh, he a lot of like quote bad guys uh, want to be liked and want to sell merchandise and want to be like cool. And his philosophy his philosophy has been uh, if I am not making people boomy uh, in totality, then I'm not doing my job. Uh, so he's been very successful. I respect him a lot. I want to say something about Andy. <clears throat> Andy became the character Mr. Williams, right? Violent gentleman, the hockey brand. Uh, and he started repping the Mr. Williams thing. And I think he heavily steeped in pro wrestling. I think he, he became like this character. And people would go and, and you'd see this, this like massive dude on stage who was just crushing it on guitar, right? Stage left, just destroying things. And, and it was really exciting. And then you know, you, I think you could kind of see the, the, profess, the professional wrestler uh, in him start to come out over time. And I think he, he kind of, you know, drew a lot of inspiration, I would imagine, uh, from performing uh, and, and realizing that, like, hey, it, it might seem like a dream, but so is a band being able to make it as long as Every Time I Die has been doing it. Absolutely. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, I mean, they made that scene. I know that's kind of like quoting a bit of a lyric from them, but but like, there was a scene that that they kind of transcended and then they just kept going and they never died out and when everybody else kind of maybe walked away or weren't touring anymore they're still kind of the champions and and i kind of think that like that's maybe his career as a professional wrestler as well is that he just kept riding the wave he was in the pythons you know doing doing the tag team stuff on the independent circuit and he just kept riding all the way out and so whether he's 40 right and he and he made it or or he took till he's 50 i think a guy like that I think had the perseverance that he would just, you know, keep riding that wave until like the wheels fell off. Yeah. And look at him now. Every Wednesday night, TNT crushing it. And, you know, and, and it's funny, me and um, with Mike, my guitar player being super into wrestling, you know, he's, he's been obsessed forever. He, he kind of, you know, we, during our talks, he kind of explained to me how they work. And he's like, it's basically the same thing that we do. You know, they make a salary, but it's up to them. They wrestle whatever, six times a week. And that you have, they rent cars, carpool. And you got it, and your rentals and hotels come out of your salary, you know. And they, they drive to a gig instead of playing a show for an hour, they're beating the living shit out of each other, and then they have to go do it again the next night. So it's like being in a band, only way worse. <laughs> totally, yeah, and Total definitely props if you can go through that and like be like, I'm gonna do this the same way as touring in a van goes, you know, when you're. 1920 and you're getting this thing started you're like i'll fucking sleep on steve dave's floor over there and eat a, and, and steal gas station food and you're like because for the love of the you know and uh it's it's pretty commendable to do that all over again square one after being in a band for so long and you know like they're diy as fuck they still torn bands and everything which is eh. it's commendable <laughs> it, it, i mean yeah, yeah super I, commendable <laughs> but look, look i mean look at their trajectory yeah. though, right i mean like I look at them now, and then and then you get the um, you get shitmas, you know, the big Christmas show. Yeah, yeah. Thousands of people. Everyone goes out. You know, everyone flies to Buffalo, and and I see the, oh man, the the the, the Facebook group that they have, and and what they've done. I, I mean, it's just incredible. The the 
those who have supported every time I die, it seems just like it's, you know, they're just on this very slow trajectory that, and I, and they just keep going up. There's like, there was no like skid. It's not coming down. They just keep going up, 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 up. And so, I mean, I think that's just, uh, I think we can all find some inspiration in, uh, and just keep pushing. You know, if you never stop, you can't really fail kind of like, you know, and they're just, and it keeps getting better and better. Yeah. I, I, want, I want to find a broader way to really make this valuable for anyone paying attention, uh, assuming that most people listening to this don't give a shit about pro wrestling. Um, but I have found that, uh, look, I have both been a professional musician, uh, I'd argue successful in, in various ways. I've also worked in the business of professional wrestling uh, at a high level. And uh, I have decided throughout my life to find the parallels or to find the patterns in things that seem uh, very different. And I think my ability to do that has allowed me uh, uh, to, to have uh, advantages over like other, quote, candidates that might be up for a similar gig or job or, or however you'd call it. Um, look, even at the independent level, if you're an independent uh, musician, we're using that analogy right now to pro wrestling, uh, like independent wrestlers, like the merch table is just as important as it is for an independent band who runs their own merch table and figures out uh, how do we brand uh, what we're doing and how do we present it uh, as, uh, whether it's marketing or physical product and trying to... And then at a, at a certain point, you, like, I think the initial contractors, like, you get some shitty merch deal, right? And then after a certain while, once you become a certain name, you can renegotiate your merch rights in wrestling, correct? It depends. So if if you're signing with a specific company, uh, but, you know, at someone like Andy, for instance, uh, prior to working for AEW, uh, he was an independent wrestler. So every booking, I'd imagine, was its own unique deal with the local promoter. Uh, and that promoter may ask for a cut of merch, like some venues ask for a cut of merch, uh, and some don't even think about that as part of a deal. So um, it's really different depending on uh, who you're working with. Yeah, the nice thing about what Andy's doing, uh, his, uh, his boss uh, is, uh, I think, has a much more uh, 21st century view on uh, probably not only professional wrestling as a genre, uh, but also just... Uh, in a boss-employee relationship, uh, they're really only working once a week uh, at most right now. Okay. Um, maybe twice a week if they have a pay-per-view, which they do a few times a year. Uh, they, they're selling a TV product. So it's not like WWE, where if we're not in a pandemic, uh, they're going to run uh, maybe four nights a week. And then there's that, you know, the four, five, six hours in a rental car on your own, uh, where you're paying, you're right, your own expenses as far as uh, hotel. So those who want to be a bit more frugal are uh, getting a cheaper renter, rental car and doing four in a car and uh, mm -hmm. four in a room, perhaps. Um, but, but yeah, AEW on TNT, which Andy's a part of, uh, that's primary, primarily a TV product right now, which affords all of them the luxury of less bumps on their body, so more longevity, uh, and it gives him the flexibility to live more than one dream, which is pretty amazing good on him yeah yeah that's 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 the coolest part to me is like he's he hasn't had to choose one over the other he's doing both and that that's fucking really cool yeah um, no sacrifice no sacrifice there no well so there's there's two things i want to bring up one jordan you need to have i think a 60 inch tv behind you to fit in with me and justin and bubble right now because you don't that's, have that. <laughs> that's gonna turn into an 85 that's insane <laughs> What is that? Is that like a 65 now? It's 65 yeah. now, but after getting the wall done, he's like, well, 
probably should get an 85. Yeah. So oh. He's going hard. Architecturally, talk about that wall for a second because I like that wall. Isn't that neat? That's I mean, a great wall. Post it if you really want. To. Yeah, yeah. Take us so, to the wall. We've never done this for someone like goes somewhere else. Podcast. If you're listening, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, youtubecom slash croissants for the visual tour. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Nice. We need it. So Thank you, Jordan. we did. Um, Chris Franzak and I, homeowner, and so we did three renovations during quarantine so far. We got this really cool accent wall. That's awesome. And, um, the guy came in as really neat. Had to like. This was all orange peel, so we had to sand all that down, grid it, and put all these panels on. And then you got to put a coat over it and run molding all around the outside. You got some little palm plants, but it's pretty neat though. Like it just adds a whole different kind of texture vibe. So for anyone who, who's who's only listening and not watching, it's got this like it's this white wall with this wave pattern, almost like something that like if you were kind of in an altered state, you would go over and start swirling your hand back and forth. And like an Have you seen um, Get Him to the Greek? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. Swirl the furry wall or whatever. It's very <laughs> much like that, but you'd be going, you know, kind of swashing side to side. Yeah. It, it's very, uh, if you if it remind me, it kind of feels like zen, like you would, if you went into like a massage place and like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of has that like, ah, uh, you know. Yeah. Whatever. And then this is my favorite thing. <laughs> the, this wall mirror. That's oh, the dance door down there. Dance practice. The whole yeah, it's literally look at this thing. It's a friggin' mirror. It's, <laughs> look at the size of it. It's amazing. It's the whole wall. I don't know. I think it's awesome. Oh, that that is a awesome. Dance studio within the house. Yeah, and that's yeah. the living room or like the little thing with the fireplace table. Uh, dude, I, I really like that uh, at Chandelier. We were looking at something similar here. We, we, mm-hmm. My wife thought it was a little bit too much. It was more my <laughs> style, but she didn't go with it. Bubba, where do you live? Orlando, Florida. Okay, that's where like all the wrestlers live too. Right. Yeah, Florida's a, a big hub, especially uh, yeah, Tampa and stuff. And so. Well, man, there's nothing more fun than new toys or walls or gadgets or fixtures yeah. in a house to look at and like feel inspired by. So that's great. And yeah, I, I've like, been, yeah, adulting. Yeah, it's adulting. And I've, I've been following <laughs> you posting about it, obviously. So I've, I'm, I'm familiar with the mirror wall and the wavy wall, but I dig it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say was, you know, speaking of perseverance, I mean, I don't, I was trying to remember whether you and I met first, I think it was at Warp Tour because of Band Happy doing stuff yeah. with, with Bring Me the Horizon when you were working with that crew. And then we, about that. and it was all like business talk at that point. I mean, we were like, yeah, you're, you're cool. We can talk about this stuff. But then we, I remember we, we became a lot more friendly. Dare I say became, we became friends when we toured with All the Remains, Periphery, All the Remains, and... Um, in Flames. In Flames. Yeah. Who else was up? Was it just... No, there was a fourth, but I can't remember who it was. Corbin. Uh, yeah. uh, was it Re- Revocation? No. No, no. Oh, um, it was um, Norma Jean, wasn't it? Nope. It wasn't Norma Jean? Damn. Okay, that I, my memory's shot. I don't remember who it is. But anyway, um, you, me, and Ben, new guy, hung out quite a bit. And then we've been friends ever since. So, and yep. so the thing I was mentioning about perseverance is that you have worked um, seemingly in every single facet of the music industry, from performing in bands to being on the business and crew side. Uh, and 
you're one of the few people that I have always sort of thought about as like the, um, the, uh, the, the Swiss army knife in that, like you're prepared with every type of tool, no matter what the situation is. And it's what I think has always really been interesting is I've seen you in situations in the band, you know, where you have definitely known when to step back, but then also like step up and show your knowledge of tour management or the merch side of things or whatever it is. Um, so I, I just always really respected that. And I think there was a time when we were actually looking, we were like between tour managers and I, and I had thrown your name in the hat. And then one of our old guys actually was ended up being available, but, um, I would love, I mean, if there was ever the opportunity where you were still doing that, um, I would love it to have you be the boss of the band for a tour. Cause I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, and yeah. I think it would be really well, a well-oiled machine. Um, at least that's what I've always seen from you from a professional standpoint. So I just wanted to bring that up because you and I definitely do go back a number of years, probably I would say to 2014 or 15, 2013. Okay. So wow. Cause so, Warped, that was, that was, the Warped Tour was in, was in 2013. Right. Wow. Okay. So that yeah, so it's been a long time since, since you and I have been, been crossing paths and, and known each other. So, um, I guess just a question for you is, you know, obviously playing music is, I would imagine the, the, the real, the big passion, but, um, how did you even get involved in the professional side of it one way or the other? And how did you, what made you step up to take those other gigs when you weren't playing? So when I was in barrier dead, um, we got in a really, really bad van accident. I don't know if you remember, remember that at all. I do. Yeah. Back in, uh, that was in 2008. Yep. We were going, we, we were going into Canada and it's a long story short, but we got, we had this disgusting human at the, at the Canadian border who purposely kept me and my singer Mike there for five hours, just legitimately to hold us up and make us sit there and wait because she just was in a bad mood that day. And I'm not making this up. You, just as well as I, have been gone over that border. And sometimes you get some decent people, and sometimes you get some, you know, they all they all want to act a, a little, like, kind of hard-ass. No, but you, you literally have to pick the most odd time in the middle of the night to go there to get people that are getting off their shift before the yes, new shift absolutely. starts. So they don't want to deal with you because it can be a fucking nightmare. So, yeah, yes. shift change, that, that's the move. It's like, hey, yeah. when you, you know, like you find that out at whatever border it is because you're getting somebody fresh is better than at the end of the end of the night. Yeah. But long story short, you know, we, um, she kept us there for five hours. And I, and I remember, like, we'd just be sitting there and I'd look over at her and there was no one else there. There was not a single person in that entire building besides us. And I would look over at her and she'd just be sitting there, like, like laughing on the phone. Then she would hang up and she'd start eating her sandwich you know, just, just not a care in the world. And, um, so whatever. So she, you know, when I had drove the, the previous night, we played at, um, uh, in, uh, what was the name of that venue? Um, Jack's Springfield, Virginia. Yep. Yeah. And yep. we came empire. Yep. So we, we played at Jack's many, many good nights there. Um, we played at Jack's the night before. And then I drove from Virginia to upstate New York where our next show was, and you know, and like, I don't know, it was like a seven hour drive. And I think I ended up, by the time that we got there, I think I slept maybe two hours. 
And every, but then everyone's waking up. It's like 11 a.m. It's bright out. So whatever. We go to the show. We do the thing. I worked out in the parking lot that day. We play a show. And then so I'd basically been awake for almost 48 hours with like two hours of sleep, two shows, and, and two, two workouts. On it. So I'm pretty shot. But the, the border was three hours away. And you know how it goes. You're like, it sucks being tired at the border, getting woken up. And so you're like, I'll just stay awake. It's like three hours. I'll just, I'm fine. Like, I'll just get through it. Then I'll pass out. So we get to the border and the whole ordeal happens. And then by the time that she let us go, it was like, I don't know, six, six thirty in the morning, something like that, maybe seven. Um, so I get in the thing, everyone at me and Mike went out to the, to the van and all the other dudes are in the back. They're all sleeping, all tucked up. They've been there for five hours sleeping. And then I'm like, yo, who's driving this van? Like, I, I'm, I can't stay awake at this point. Everyone's like, <laughs> you remember driving back in the day, like when sidekicks are out and you'd be like cruising, you do your van shift and you look up at that rear view mirror and you'd, you'd see little faces lit up and you'd, you'd be like, all right, uh, whatever, Mike, who's, who's doing, who's taking second shift? You hear, yep. <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah, no, oh, you're asleep. Is that, what you, is that what you're doing? You sleep. Oh, so nobody man. wanted to drive. And I was like, you yep. know what? Fuck it. It's like an hour and a half to Ottawa. Whatever. I, let's just go. Let's just get there. So I start, I get in the, the, the van. I start driving and I'm like fading about 20 minutes in. I go, go to Tim Hortons. I get a big coffee and a sandwich. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm awake. I start driving. I put on Slipknot. I'm like, just fucking driving. And the next thing I know, I, I'm like, I like I black I completely just blacked out. My body just went, nope, you're Shut done. Down. Yeah. And then I woke up and I'm like, oh my god. I'm like on the side of the road. I'm like the median on the the right side of the road. I'm like, you know, in such shock. You're, you know, you when you wake up, you're like, I don't, I can't think. I smashed into a sign, and then I got back on the road, and we're kind of turning, and I'm like, kind of getting on the highway, and I was like, well. If this thing spins around, at least if I'm facing the other way, I'll, I can, like, stop us and I can drive off the road to kind of, oh, well, by the time that, like, I, I got on the highway the, and I got the van back on it, um, we were, like, how do I put this? Like, we drove up kind of almost parallel to, or, I mean, um, perpendicular to it. Well, the, the right tires, the passenger side tires on the trailer, they popped because of its, uh, the weight of the trailer and it, and it being like the G-force of it swinging that back end around. So there's right, the, the passenger side tires popped and I, I felt the trailer hit the ground and like start going like that. And then it completely turned us facing the other road. But then by, the, by that time, we were already on the, the inside, the left bank of the middle median. And then we just rolled four times mm. and like wow. every single time was like just getting your, I just remember getting like pile drived into the fucking ceiling upside down and, uh, and everybody else, they were all laying down on the benches. So it was just like a washing machine back there. And like the, I remember the bat with the battery inverters, you know, those things weigh like eight pounds, yep. just steel, just smashing people in the face and, and Slim's leg, he like he, they went out the window and came back in, and they just got completely eviscerated, you know, like just shredded. I mean, I remember getting out; I was in such shock. I was like, "Wake up, come on, wake up!" Like this isn't real. Like any time, this dream sucks. Let's get out of this. Yeah. And then obviously it didn't. And then I, I I got out, and I remember my luckily our tour manager he had his pillow against the the passenger side. Um, 
uh, window because when it, I remember seeing it go to the ground and as soon as it smashed, it was like in the movies, you know, when like the glass is glass in front of you and you're just like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> and so luckily he was there because if, if he was like all the way back or not there, that glass would have took my face off for sure. And, um, when I got out, I remember being in such shock and I'm like, no way, no way. And I remember, and I, Mark, drummer came out from behind the van and his like eye was hanging off of his face and uh and you know he was just like what's going on and i'm like oh and then I, I look in the van and slim's just laying there with the blankest look on his face in the van just like this looking at me looking at his legs looking at me looking at his legs and you could just see bone and everything and i was like ah he's like those are getting that's getting cut off you don't have legs anymore and like i just fought and just Full-blown mental breakdown. The trailer was on the highway still completely upside down, and all of our gear was about just all the way down the road. You know, like, you just think your life is over at that point. You're like, I fucking killed my friends, and everything goes, you know, I don't know. And then it messed me up for a while. I had bad panic attacks, and getting in a car and driving was really tough. And uh, and I had to drive him because he couldn't fly because he had to get all these surgeries done when we were in Canada. And everybody else, you know, they kind of, they weren't as bad, but they, they took all of our gear, rented some stuff, and drove it all back to Ohio to kind of regroup. But me and my girlfriend at the time, she flew out from Alberta, and his mom called me and was like, he can't fly. Can you get him home? So I'm like, you got to be shitting me. So I had to rent an SUV, and the three of us getting this thing. And within, I don't know, 20 minutes on the road, I had to pull over. I, was, I had a full-blown breakdown. I had to sit inside of the road out by the trailer, I was just losing it. You know, like every time that, you know, at uh, Talladega Nights when they're like, he gets back on the track and everyone's flying past him. Like, oh! That's what it felt like. Legitimately, you're just like, oh my God, why is everyone so fast? Oh my yeah. God. And every time I would take a turn, I think we were, we were going to roll and I would just hyperventilate. And, I mean, and it went on for a couple of years after that too. And we would wait, I mean, all of us, remember on that neck, we went out and shared a bus with, uh, in this moment, supporting Five Finger Death Punch. And they were a brand new band, but they were obviously blowing up. And we're like, what the fuck is this? But we go out this band. We're like, we can't, we can't miss this tour. Like, this is going to be really good for us. And like, you know, what can we do? So we got um, Aaron Brooks from Ghost Inside came out and filled in for Slim. Yeah, I'm, I'll get to the point with the tour managing in a second. <laughs> no, it's great. Keep going. Keep it going. Keep going. So he, uh, so he came out and. Um, Slim, eventually, he got home, and he had to get, he was on hospice and everything, and he had to go through all this crazy stuff, and bless his heart, and um, um, let's see here, and that tour was, I think, two weeks after the crash happened, like, Mark had a broken foot, Mike had staples in his head, and I think a broken hand, and uh, I mean, and, uh, I didn't get it too bad, my neck and my hip were pretty messed up, and my arm was pretty sliced up, but nothing terrible, um, so, you know, two weeks go by, and we kind of get our shit together like well this is the only way we're going to make money you know like and, and whatever the case is so we go out on this tour and um we had found out that that same tour manager uh, he worked we we got him through our manager i won't say who it is but we got him through our manager and w what happened was he um uh, uh he, it turned out he he had convinced him to steal money from us so, um, we found out he had been embezzling money. So we fired him and we're on this tour and I'm like, well, 
we can't, we can't really afford a tour manager. I didn't trust anybody at the time. I'm like, I'm doing this. So we had this, in this moment, had this amazing tour manager named Jenny Douglas. I don't, do you know Jenny? I don't, I don't think I do. No. She works for 5B now and um, she handles all the, kind of all the production over there with all the, all the bands. But <coughs> best tour manager I've ever met in my entire life. Um, most hardest working woman I've ever met. She's just, she's just one of a kind, that's for sure. But she, on that tour, I saw how, I saw what she did and I saw how hard she worked. And I, uh, you know, and I kind of had been doing that stuff for us anyway on the road, you know, like I was very business savvy and I wanted, um, you know, us to make good decisions and smart moves. So I was like, I need to do this for us. So she taught me how to tour manage on that tour. And then shortly after that, I think I only did maybe a couple more tours after that. And we had some, a lot of internal problems and things happen and whatever. And I eventually quit. And, um, but when I quit, I was like, I'm going to go and, and do this tour manage thing. So then I convinced Unearth to give me a job. That was my first like real TM gig. I went out for 400 bucks a week. <laughs> and I was like, just let me, trust me, trust me. We already had such a great um, relationship as friends. We had toured together. And I was like, trust me. And um, pat myself on the back. I actually did it, such a decent job that they were like, you are we'll work too hard. You've got to get a raise. So they actually gave me a raise on tour, which is pretty cool. And I was like, well, I felt pretty cool. You know, it seems like I know what I'm doing. You know, I kind of talked a little bigger game than I had, even though I had some experience, but I never really worked for a band. And um, so that's kind of how it started. I worked for them. And then I went on, uh, who did I do next? Um, a couple of bands. And I did Hate Breed off and on for like five years and, and Bring Me and, and uh, a few others in there and so forth. And you're still doing it, or at least as of late, you were out with... Um who was the last man you're out with? Was it? It wasn't in this moment. It was. Uh... I don't. I don't tour manage as much anymore. I did. I, that's how kind of how I started with all the remains. Um, I I jumped on teaming for them, and then shortly within a year, Jeannie had quit. So, right place, right time. Turns out, and like you know, we had toured together back in 2006, and um, we went to the Soundwave together, and you know, we used to kind of joke like, hey, you know, like. If, if, if it ever happened, let's say, I don't know, if, if Jeannie ever decided to not be in the band or if she got married or, or whatever the case was, like, it's like, you'd be a great, you know, I was like, okay, whatever, you know, and you just, just joke about it because dudes. And then it turns out she ended up getting, you know, she got engaged and, um, was, you know, her and her husband wanted to do a band together and they wanted to do their own thing. And, and everybody, it was an amicable split at the time. And, and uh, I happened to already be there. So it made perfect sense within, she quit 30 seconds later. Hey, you want to be in the band? Okay. Yeah, why so, not? But um, did I did a set first, but I'm so sorry. I mean, no, no, I'll, just, I'll finish this, this cover real quick. Yeah, I TM'd us. We did a a, a run with. Um, we came as Romans, and I TM'd on us on that. Um, but then I was like, you know what? Let's just get a tour manager. It's getting too complicated with VIPs, and I want to just I want to focus on the band and just being in a band. Um, so I'll do if we like if we have a fly in or a one off. I'll do it, but I don't do tours anymore. Um, but the last band I worked for was uh, called Epica. That's what it was. Right. Band, yeah. You were, were you in South America, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Because that was like in the past year, wasn't it? That you did that That one? was October, November, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I guess he's not touring with, with all the remains right now. What a great way to fill the time. And you Yeah, know. And, and there's such great people. I mean, you talk about a band that, um, with such a positive attitude in general, you know, the, their, their vibe as people, they're, I don't know, it's, they're so enjoyable to be around. So it makes working for them really pleasurable. You know, it's not like, it doesn't feel like work 
day in day out and they're like i don't know no egos and for such a as big as a band they are they don't have any ego so like it's it's great i i it'll it makes me want to go the extra mile when you're when the the um what's it called um the respect is reciprocated you know, yeah when, it, when it's mutual yeah, yeah for sure you know it's funny one of the things that i that i clearly remember about being on tour with you which has now stuck and and been something that we do now with with periphery camp is you know you would bring out your i think it was yours your uh your flat top stove or at least like a stove to have on the tour bus to actually be able to make eggs and steak and whatever it was and i remember coming up uh, multiple nights after the show or like before the show and like you want dinner you want dinner you want this yeah you know and just like <laughs> slinging will. slinging food and um i loved that i loved the um the energy that you brought to the situation in the room, it never felt like it was too much, but it felt like you, you kept people taken care of, you know, is what I always, is what I always took away from it. So, um, it makes sense why you would be a great tour manager and have worked with so many great bands. And then why you would also be a great bandmate, because I think you, you really do care about other people, at least from what I've seen, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I come from the, the mindset, you know, we're all, you know, we're all here together. We're all going through this. And so, like, I, some people are like, this is, you know, this is my band. This is my show. This is the thing. This is how things are going to run. Um, and I've never, I've never been about that attitude. I've always been like, a, you know, we're, we're all, we're teammates here, you know, just because, you know, everybody should bring something to the table. And if everybody is on the same page and not, there's the hierarchy kind of thing. I mean, you know, every, every camp there typically is at least, one or two people that kind of call the shots if you want to call it that but it shouldn't feel like that it shouldn't feel like that's my boss and, and i'm i mean every gig is different of course you know if you plan for john mayer it's john mayer show like that's how it is but i don't know i feel like when you're in a band together um if the camaraderie is there and everyone just and it feels inclusive like you're a team um i think you just get so much more done and i just i just always had that mindset like yo we're like a squad like you know yeah absolutely teamwork makes the dream work right it's true bubble i i appreciate that you have that mentality uh i see why you would be you know trusted in in leadership positions um i, I have two very different questions uh the one kind of sticking with with tour management um first i just want to say look i i think it's can be very inspirational for someone listening uh, who has goals no matter what it is. Uh, you ended up in the position you are now uh, as a touring bass player, uh, perhaps in part because you just stayed in the game. Even if you weren't uh, a touring musician per se, you found ways to be of value uh, to similar bands. Uh, and and that, that, was, that was exactly the reason why I want to do it because, like, I don't want to, now that I'm not in this band anymore, it ended, I'm not going to go and just, well, I'm done, get a job. Like, I want to tour. This is what I love to do. So how can I keep touring until I get another gig? Yes. So, and, and you look, whether it's just networking or sharpening your skills uh, or learning more about, uh, you know, if you've got an opportunity in the future to tour in a band again, uh, you kind of learned what works and what doesn't and it, and it helped you be sharper. So one, I think uh, someone can take that uh, no matter what your goal is. You know, if, if you have, a vision for where you'd like to end up, uh, just find a way to be of value within the, the field of that game. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be what you're 
target destination, uh, you know, is. Uh, but if you can find ways to be of value to people doing what you're doing, that's a way in. Um, look, I, I realize that a lot of people paying attention to this, uh, love bands want to learn about these things, like what it's like being behind the scenes on the road. Uh, and we haven't done that too much in, in the past few months on, on these episodes. Uh, so the first question, uh, We'll, we'll stay there. Uh, the second question, I think, will be more in line with the conversations we've have been having. Um, for someone listening, can you explain, like, what is a tour manager? What are the responsibilities of a tour manager? You talked about uh, having this, uh, this sense of we're all in it together, uh, which to me makes sense as a manager of human beings. But there's another side of it, which is the management of the, the details of the operation of a tour. So what would your definition be? Of a tour manager. I was just going to say, I, I just, one, one thing that, that'll sum it up really quick. You're the first one awake and the last one asleep every night and every morning. Yeah, that's, that's what a tour manager is. But no, go ahead. I, you, should, you should definitely respond. Um, it depends on the level of the artist. So, you know, as you, if you're at the touring in a van, to, uh, let's say mid-level to where we are, that's uh, so what I, cons- I consider, you know, like filling out a club. I feel like that's a, a and touring in a bus. I feel like that's a, a solid mid-level band. Everybody has probably makes a, a good salary and can do it full time and, you know, probably can put pay, pay their bills. And then you get to like, I don't know, I think a small big band, you get to Lamb of God level and then you get to your bigger artists like Slipknot. So that's, that's kind of the way I've always, I've always tiered it out. Um, a, in the first two levels, you're going to do a lot more because, you know, there's only so many crew dudes. And with that being said, a tour manager typically you'll have your agents and managers and band. They all come up with a game plan, what you're going to do. The, the booking agent does the routing. And then once you have routing and guarantees, it gets passed to the tour manager. The tour manager then at that point goes, all right, where are we starting? What do we have to go and do? So let's say, you know, it's a U.S. tour and we won't get into flying or overseas stuff. But so in, in America, you would go, cool, like what's my budget? Are we doing a van or which is transportation? All your typical logistics kind of things. So you have to get together um, who's going to be your crew? Where's everybody? Where's everybody starting out at? You know, and where's the tour? You know, you create a budget and a plan so that you, all your movements can be simplified and efficient and um, um, cost cost efficient. You know, you obviously don't want to blow money, and you have to abide within boundaries of a budget. So, getting that together and getting everyone to from A to B and taking care of the bus drivers dealing with contracts, promoters, making sure that when you get on site, the, the show and all the details are advanced properly. You get on into a venue, you know, you, you, the first thing you do is you find your promoter and you introduce yourself, you run over your game plan for the day, what you expect out of the venue and what, and, and vice versa, what the venue should expect from you and what your needs are going to be and try to make it all seamless. And the more you plan, the more time you put um, into the preparation, the easier day and easier job is going to be because printing out day sheets and putting information in and running around, hanging stuff up and making sure that your rider gets there or after show food shows up and everyone's taken care of you, you within, usually within the third or fourth day, you find your, your groove, your rhythm, your routine. That way, you know, I can plan every single, I know it within at every, whatever time on a day it is, I know exactly where I have to be and what has to happen. So it's just anticipating. It's the hurry up and wait game. You got to be prepared to, jump and then obviously things happen and you have to be able to to jump at the drop of a dime to overcome you know like 
bus breaks down. Hey, how do we get there? What do we do? What's the plan? Everyone looks at you. So, um, and, and with the experience of touring for so long and being through so many scenarios, you learn what's the smartest move to do. You know, how do you, how do we overcome this so that we can still get to the show and get paid? That's the, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Getting on stage on time and collecting that paycheck. Because that's what you're there to, do, there to do. And making sure the vibe is good and everybody's happy. And that's the thing that makes all the difference in the world is the vibe on the bus and everyone feeling like this tour is is running smooth and, and, the, and it's positive. And that's kind of like, I don't know, I think that's what's always been I, my thing that I've always brought to the table other than, I don't know, I have a pretty positive and, I don't know, outgoing personality, but... I love cooking for people. And when that's going on, it's not something that, you know, you have to go to a restaurant or you get some, you get shitty venue catering or whatever the case is. So when someone's there making you a meal in your own home for you, it's, it's nothing but smiles. So like, and I love that, you know, I, I, I worked in a lot of different restaurants, but I love cooking for people and I, and I love bringing that there. And it, you know, we have taco night and we have whatever thing. And sometimes like I'll bring it all into the venue and we'll like, we'll cook in, in there. So, but it's just a little, small comfort because out there it's a world of inconvenience so when you can bring something so simple um but makes everyone kind of you know unified and and puts a a positive vibe out there it's a great thing hell yeah i'm glad you shared all that thank you one i think a lot of people are just going to find that valuable and interesting um since we don't typically explore these things on these episodes but also just the the fact that you're you took responsibility uh for the culture of the community, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that's the job uh, of any manager of, of human beings. Um, I have worked for and get hired to uh, help consult and work with uh, all kinds of managers. And a lot of times I see they pick one or the other. Uh, they're either all focused on the people, but not the logistics, or oftentimes they're more focused on the logistics, but don't take into account that there's other human beings that are playing on their team. So I'm glad that you really covered both in, in, in the explanation. Yeah, Matt. Just real quick. Well, and also you go outside of the team too, because when I'm coming up on your guys' bus to hang out, <clears throat> I'm not part of your crew. You didn't necessarily allocate food for me. But in fact, yeah, I think it was it was like steak taco night or something that you were doing up there. And you're like, yo, you want a taco? You hungry? And that made me feel not only um, you know, just liked and, and cared about and, and appreciated, but it actually made me feel more comfortable being in the All That Remains camp on the bus. Because that that's a very, no matter how, what kind of band you're in, whether you are headlining or not headlining or, you know, wherever you are on the, on the tour roster, when you go into another band's vehicle, you're the guest and it feel, you, you really have to, you know, mind your P's and Q's, so to speak because you're in someone else's house. So whenever I am in, you know, again, whether it's a van or a bus or someone else's space, it always, I always feel a little bit uncomfortable at first because I don't want to disrespect anybody. I don't know what the rules are aside from the universal rules, um, you know, for tour buses and shit like that. But like, you just never know. So having somebody offer you a meal or cook for you, or make you feel comfortable or welcomed is such a great feeling. And it, it, it transcended just that moment. It made the tour feel like there was more camaraderie. Um, so I, again, I, you know, I have to say thank you for that because it was something that I really appreciated. Um, 
that helped me understand your character and also the camp that you were in or that you are in. You know, it's like I got to know those guys through those experiences, which was great. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, and, and that's, and that's also a way I think for us to, to do something like that because I don't really, I don't like to go, I don't go to bars, but you know, a lot of us, we don't hang out, you know, it's, we're, you know, everybody, and everybody has a different rhythm on tour and some people like my drummer Jason's all about, yo, the show's over. I'm going inside the venue. I'm going to the bar. I want to talk to people. I want to hang out. I want to drink. That's not the way that most of us roll. We, you know, we're all kind of like, I'm going to go back to, to my, my safe spot and just chill. And like, and if, but if dudes want to come up or if like, we're going to interact, whatever, it's all gravy, but you know, I'm not a go out and get, get crazy and, in public and bars and, and want to socialize with the whole venue, you know, it's, um, it's we like to keep it a, a little bit more chill. So it's a really good way for, for the bands to, um, I don't know, intermingle. And that's how I've honestly met a lot of people on tour that I necessarily wouldn't have hung out with or met otherwise, because it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a good, everybody can bond over food. So. Look, I, I, I think it's really important to note that, uh, not everyone is going to be like you, right? Not everyone is going to maybe have that in their wheelhouse to go out of their way. Uh, or maybe it's not even going out of their way, right? It could be that that's just you. That's like deep within you. Oh, is, yeah. Is you, right? You just yeah. want your, a good-hearted, right, nurturing kind of person. You're very hospitable. You're just trying to bring everyone together, and you're spreading all of this, this like positivity, right? And, and granted, if I think you said your drummer is the one who goes right to the bar. He wants to connect with people. Maybe that's not you. Right. And I'm saying this to like in general to people listening to this. If that's not you, that's totally okay. Right. Everyone can find their way to bring some kind of positivity to the group. But what's great is you have someone like yourself who can take the lead, who can kind of be the one that kind of facilitates that like everyone picks their own little piece, but I'm going to be like the umbrella and everyone's yeah. going to fall under and I'm going to just going to like wrap all of you in with me. And that way, what's great about having someone like you as the leader you become the one who extends this olive branch or you make the bridge to all the people around you. And now it's this super inclusive community because I, I can imagine that it might be tough to go on tour with three, four, five bands, right? Maybe even especially in the metal scene. Uh, I, I could see where there, there might be a, you know, there could be a, not a rift, right? But there could be a, like, I'm not really sure. Matt was just saying, you know, a feeling out process. He knows the general rules of engagement, we'll call it, you know, but maybe he doesn't know, like, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to like step over the boundaries too much, but if you, if you have someone who can kind of go out there and lead the charge, it's like, Oh no, 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 no. We're all in on this together. Like, like, please come over here. Like, please come have a steak taco. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe that's the sign. The universal yeah. sign is yeah. that everyone should have a taco Tuesday kind of thing. And, and Everybody should hey, hey would you like a taco? Right. I want, yeah. like, I want a taco right now. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I really do. Taco Thursday. Um, no, it's, it's just, it's like anything. I mean, you just never, when, when you have a group of people living in a small space, you never know what the vibe is and what the mood is. And some days are better than others. And, and you just want to respect that. So typically it's like, you want to be invited somewhere instead of just being the guy who's always like popping onto the bus, but like, Hey guys, I'm here. Who's got yeah, weed? Exactly. Who wants to right. smoke? You guys, Oh, you, you got some weed? Like, cool. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's right. like, you don't, you just, it's, you don't want to be that. So, um, I think it was, it was really, it was just cool to, to see that there was an open door and I, I would sort of gauge your temperature, um, you know, 
more than anybody else is to kind of see like, Oh, like it's, it's hangout time or like, Oh, like, you know, we'll, we'll see each other tomorrow. Or we'll see the, yeah, yeah. whoever, like it's always good to kind of be able to, to read that rather than have to put somebody in an uncomfortable position to be like, Oh, Hey, is it cool to like come up there? You know, <laughs> it's like, you just don't, it's, it's, it's awkward. Yeah, exactly. Um, Matt, I don't see you being the type of guy who would say something like that. No, and I, I, I wouldn't, but I, but, but I've had people say that to me a of lot course. on tour, sure. um, sure. you know, and I'm sure you have too, you know, bubble. And it's like, you don't ever want to be in a position where it's like, you're making me say this to you right now. And I don't mm-hmm. want to have to have this awkwardness. This is your fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one thing I will say, and Justin, you'll appreciate this is I remember too, on that tour. I don't know if you remember this dude, but I was doing, I was working out and I was doing push ups, and you came over and you were like, Hey man, let me just adjust you real quick. And you, you, Adjusted my push-ups a little bit for the better. Did I? Yeah, because my arms were a little bit too far out, and oh, you were like bringing your elbows, bring your arms in a little, your hands a little bit closer, and then that has been my push-up ever since. <laughs> love so, it, love it. Yeah, and I, I think that speaks to like like a a, a much bigger point about you personally, Bubble. Because if you think about it, most people wouldn't have. Uh, I don't even want to say not like the audacity, but like most people wouldn't just go right when you see someone else in the gym. I'm very compelled. If I see something, it's like I want to say something. It's like I want to – because I just want to be helpful. And I'm sure that's probably where you're coming from. You're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I saw something. I, I just want to like I, – I feel like I have to go. Well, and he Let also – Let piece he, of advice that will help you. He knew that I'd be rece- – like I'm not a dick. Be like, fuck sure. you, man. I know how to do push-ups. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if there's people in my gym you know, while I'm training and I – like there was a guy yesterday with a ferocious – ferocious? Is that the right word? Uh, uh, yeah. Just go with it. Ferocious. <laughs> Hellacious, or wait, is it is a good or bad thing? What do you? Bad, bad. Okay, yeah. like uh, atrocious. 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 There you go. Atrocious. No, I like her. What did you say? Herocious, herocious. Oh, it's herocious. It's horrible. All right, so the guy in the gym had a herocious what? Oh, so yeah, that's bubbleies. I do that. I'll put words together. Um, uh, deadlift. You know, and like, I was, you know, there's just so many things, and you know, like, and as somebody who's coached people and who like really, you know, been trained from a world-class coach, my, like, not won't smoke up her bum, but, you know, the, the best in the world at her, in her um, class and, and um, uh, whatever class, whatever. So, I, you know, I, I, I've learned from a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher. So I love sharing my knowledge and I love helping people. And, but at the same time, he dude has headphones on. He's just getting into it. And like, it's not my place to stop him and be like, let me just start like telling you because like, that sucks, you know? And, and there's, there's however, I mean, millions of people who are better than me. And if, and you know, I typically, I like to seek information because I want to get better, but I don't know if some dude came up and especially if I don't know who he is. Like, let me tell you that. I'd be like, get out of my face. I don't care what you know. Like, don't still roll up on me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Fuck off. But there, you know, there has to be a certain cooth to it, or if it's if it's warranted, or if it's somebody that I'm comfortable with, like, yo, you're my dude. Like, let me give you some cues that'll that I know will help you out, and we're like that I can obviously see where it's just some minor things, and it's not like I need to give you a a one on one. But you know, you gotta you gotta read read the situation. Yeah, but. for sure. Well, and that's I mean that's been my relationship too with Justin, or at least that's how we we started bonding really strongly. Was he was my trainer. You know, 
helping me get the moves right. And by that point, I had already gotten my push-up cues from you, so I was good there. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a sensitive relationship, actually, because you you know, like a trainer and working with somebody who's learning from a fitness standpoint, like you're struggling and you're using your body and your, and, and the strength you have. And it's just, it's a, it can be a very humbling scenario and humbling relationship. Whereas, and I've never really been a trainer, but I imagine Justin, there's been plenty of times where you've watched me struggling and it's like, you want to help more or you want to help me like lift, but you also know that by me pushing that extra rep out is going to benefit me. It's just, it's a, it's an interesting situation, but it's interesting that I, I think you guys actually share that same sort of, um, caring, helpful, uh, sort of gene or personality trait that, that for me, it's always welcomed, you know, especially with people I trust. I get it. If it's somebody I don't know and they're fucking getting in my face. Yeah. Like who are you and why are you, why do you think this is okay? But if I know you and we're friends, by all means, tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can do it better in whatever area, you know, right. Anyway. Absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's all about, and that's the thing that getting into powerlifting and competing. And since I started this journey was learning, like, and I, I've, I've worked out and I've known things for a long, long time. And even when I met you, this was before now, like even relating to, I don't know, kind of like the, the amount of knowledge and, and, and stuff that, has come my way that I've been able to absorb even from, from then is like, I'm a, it's a different brain, different person, different approach to biomechanics and training. And like, it's just amazing when you learn how to do a little bit of this, do a little bit of this to people who genuinely like know what they're doing and talking about instead of like, Oh, I did this or I learned from this guy and I do this and blah, blah, blah. Like, um, having an open mind and learning to just, okay, tell me, tell me, tell me. And then you, you know, you pull bits and pieces from different people um, cues and whatnot, and everybody has to find their own um, approach to whatever it is that they're doing. So, um, yeah, knowledge is power. Learning, it's great. So uh, that is a nice transition point. Uh, thank you for setting me up. Because uh, at the risk, <laughs> uh, at the risk of pivoting a bit, um, going from physical fitness to mental fitness, um, I mentioned you know earlier. I had I had two different questions. One being the tour management. Um, but the other, I, I just don't want to get away from it. Uh, I've mentioned some of the things I've done professionally in, earlier in the conversation. I'm also a licensed psychotherapist who primarily uses music as my modality, drumming in particular. Uh, and you mentioned uh, having experiencing panic attacks after uh, the van accident. Uh, and uh, clearly, I'm not the typical uh, mental health professional in the ways that I live my life and present and express myself to the world. Uh, but I am on a mission of uh, rebranding mental health in a sense. And I think uh, your perspective, Bubble in particular, is really valuable because of uh, how people perceive you in the world. Uh, you're this uh, big, strong metal dude with tattoos who tours the world uh, playing really aggressive music. Uh, yet you were uh, man enough to admit that you experienced panic attacks, which many people would still feel uh, uh, very vulnerable to talk about publicly. So I'm curious, um, what was your experience of that? And uh, what what did you do to uh, to mitigate the panic attacks? What, what did you do to uh, take responsibility that you were struggling in these ways? When they first kind of happened, because I never really experienced them before, uh, the van rack or the van wreck. So I don't know when I started kind of getting them, 
Um, I didn't do much, to be honest. Uh, I kind of, I don't know, because there I don't know. I think we, I think the fact that we just went back on tour and we were all together with each other, that we went through an experience together. I think that was probably the closest thing I can consider to therapy because we would talk about it a lot, you know, like we would hear each other waking up in the bus at three in the morning, like going over a rail going and, and screaming and thinking that we were going to something because we all dealt with it. No joke. Like you would hear, I mean, sure enough, at least once a night, somebody would hit something or the you like you would hear it and it would wake you up because we, none of us were sleeping well. So we were there for each other and we talked about it a lot. And I think we, you know, we leaned on it, but, when I went through my divorce last year, um, they, I started getting them much more. Um, it was a very traumatizing experience, you know, um, at the end of my relationship, finding, you know, going through some stuff. And, but to be honest, um, I was straight edge for from 2001 up until, uh, I guess technically about two years ago or so. Um, but starting smoking weed was a game changer for me. It really was. And I mean, I, to this day, I still haven't drank since I was 19 years old. You know, I, I, I have no interest in alcohol and it's me. We don't, we don't gel. Um, it's, I, I quit because I had a, a little bit of an issue. You know, I just, I couldn't have a moderation. I was like a, if I couldn't get to eight out of 10, then I would get you know aggressive and angry, and it was all I thought about. It was very consuming for me. I just wanted to drink all the time, and it brought out the war. I was driving and getting fights and doing all kinds of stupid shit, and it really just brought out the worst person because I had a lot of issues from my past, and it just brought out this angry person inside of me. So I quit, and it was the best thing that I ever did for myself, without a doubt. With easily, easily, easy statement for me to say. Um, but when I when I went through this disastrous um my marriage falling apart um having something natural it, it like like marijuana really genuinely helped me deal with my my issues because um you know i i have a I have an anterior tilt to my pelvis it's <laughs> getting back but um it causes tension right back and i have a bulging disc in my, my l5 so when my, and this has been going on forever, but when my back gets really tight or my hips do, or like you sit in a van or you don't take care of yourself, you know, especially back at the time, my back would get insanely tight and it compresses my disc and it causes excruciating pain. My, my sciatic lights up. So I have a tramadol prescription for that in the event that it happens. And it, and it's thankfully it's, it's pretty rare these days, but cause I try, I do the best I can to like keep my body in check. Um, but when things were getting bad with us, you know, like I reverted to that. I was like, well, I have these and I would, I was, I mean, uh, I know I'm openly talking about this, but this is, this is real life. This is something real that I went through. And, um, yeah, I, I was doing, I was probably taking like one a day, but because my wife at the time was so mentally, um, just breaking me down on a daily basis and it, you know, just completely made me feel inadequate and not all kinds of stuff, but. I, I numb myself because I didn't know how to deal with it. Every, every day I was like, I don't know who I'm going to get. I don't know what it is. And it, and that stemmed from her, you know, there was an affair that was going on. So like I was getting projected all of these negative things because of something that, you know, like she was one hiding from me. 
So like I was, it, it was, I don't know. It was like one of the worst times of my life. You know, like I, I just, I just felt worthless and she made me feel worthless. And, um, but so, you know, I was like, there's, this is stupid. You know, this is how people die. They, they, they start something small and it grows and gets worse and worse and worse. And I, luckily I was smart enough to realize that after like a month or two, I'm like, you know, what am I doing? This is, this is not what I'm about. I've, I've, I've been like, I've gotten through all these things for the, for over the past 17 years being straight edge and completely sober. Like, what am I doing to myself? Like, this isn't, you know, because you're losing touch with yourself when you, you feel lost and I don't know, whatever. So, um, I sought out an alternative and, um, it was, uh, it was a game changer. It legitimately, um, has had a great impact on my life and helped, helped me deal with the panic attacks. Cause once I, once it ended and I left, you know, I had a real hard time finding myself and like, you know, you, when you, you know, when you, when you get involved and you commit your life to somebody and you give half of your soul to somebody else and it's being treated like trash, you know, it's, you feel empty inside. So, um, but so it got me through that and it definitely helped crutch me along. Um, so that I could get my strength and my legs back and, and get back to doing what I love and feeling like a whole person again. So I'm a, I'm a massive uh, marijuana advocate because in, the, in a society that just pushes pills and pushes drugs and pushes everything else that just wreck your body and you get hooked on um, because and someone's benefiting, someone's profiting off of your problem, and that sucks. So, um, yeah, I'm a, that's, that's my story. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I appreciate you being super open and vulnerable about that. Uh, I'd, I'd imagine it'd be really valuable to a lot of people listening. And, and I think you touched on a few universal lessons, no matter what the struggle is. Uh, back to the van story, you had social support. You know, you were, you were willing to talk about what you were feeling. Uh, and, and that's always, uh, one of the, the healthiest things we can do, uh, no matter it's a, a traumatic accident, um, or, um, a traumatic episode in, in a relationship. I mean, to have support and to actually talk about, express what's within us, uh, we need that. Um, I also think it's nice that you had to go back on tour right away. You know, I could imagine yeah. that if, uh, you didn't, then maybe you'd become a bit, uh, phobic about getting in a vehicle again, or even a bit agoraphobic of even leaving the house for some people after something like that. So I think in a sense, uh, it, uh, it kind of pushed, you know, the baby bird out of the nest in a way where you wouldn't become too resistant to it. Um, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And even, you know, all that stuff came to a halt, um, last February. And I think we went on tour at the end of February. I think I only had a couple weeks from the time that I I left and moved all my stuff out and I went and stayed with my friend Chris and I think we only had like two or three weeks and then we went on tour with Attila. We did a, um, a co-headline together and it was like one of the best tours the band has ever done. I mean, every single show was insane. Um, and I'm so thankful because it's, I'm, I'm such a, I get in my head kind of thing, you know, when I don't have people to, to externalize and to balance ideas off of, I just, I'm somebody who like, Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. This is terrible. And like, you know, I just, I easily gravitate to all the things that are negative and, I, and it's very consuming. Um, so going through exercises to try to get above that and not be that way is a, is a very obviously a healthy practice and finding, you know, turning, Hey, 
this is going on in my head right now. What do I need to do at this moment to get on a different train of thought? And once I finally left and we went on tour and I was around the people that I care about and performing music and um, having that outlet and being around people nonstop was, was everything because I was, I was surrounded by friends and, and passion and, and music and made all the difference in the world. So it's, well, I think that's the best therapy is uh, just, you know, there's a really good story um, that I'll, I'll just drop into perspective. I have a friend named Kevin Ogre who is a, uh, he competed in CrossFit for a long time. Jack dude, so strong. He benches like 500 pounds. He was competing in an Olympic lifting contest. If I remember correctly, if it was Olympic lifting or if it was CrossFit, I can't remember. But I believe that he was doing a a max snatch, overhead snatch. And for, or if I'm I'm probably messing the story up, but he dumped it behind him. And for some reason, I think there was like some plates or something was back there, and the bar bounced off and, and it bounced, it hit him in the back, and it broke his back. So he he it paralyzed him. So you go from being an A level athlete to not having your legs anymore. I mean, that's some depressing shit. Like, I don't, I, I'm cool. I can't walk. So he, you know, and I ended up meeting him through some mutual friends of ours. And we were out in Colorado and ended up at his gym and we were talking and he's in a wheelchair now. Um, and he was telling me his story. And I was like, the first thing I was like, how did you deal with the mental frustration of, you know, he's like, I didn't have time to, because the second this happened, I had this massive community around me, especially with CrossFit. Um, they, I guess they, they raised a bunch of money for him and they, to help him get like a gym, his own gym started and gave him something to go, wait, what? I have a gym now? Like, I, I now have this massive thing. It's probably a dream to focus on. Like, you know, like now your brain's like, I want to be bummed about this, but now I have this, you know? I know they pulled together and he's like, I had people around me night and day helping me that I didn't have a chance to let it get to me. Um, and now this dude, he's so awesome. He still competes and he still benches like 500 pounds. He lays on this table and he puts like a seatbelt over him and he'll, he still competes in bench press contests and he can still do it. And, uh, but it's, it's funny cause he was, you know, he's big upper body, little legs like Joe Swanson on family guy. And we were, we were joking about that. And he was like, dude, I was like, I actually did that for Halloween once. I was like, no way. He's like, amazing. You know, t- totally Joe Swanson. I'm like, that's so sick. Like, that you, you know, you have such a, I don't give a fuck about this. That whatever this thing is that's quote unquote hindering me, life is moving on. I have awesome things in front of me that I have, you know, um, I just took it in his hands and just didn't let it defeat him. And like, to me, that's talk about inspiration, you know, can, can I say the same about myself? I don't know. Maybe not, but pretty cool. Look, I, I think it speaks to the, the, the power of, of your community and your quality circles and the people have, you have around you, right? If, uh, if, if you can't pick yourself up, but you've got quality people around you that, that can help you and you know, pick you up, uh, it, it's just so, it's, it's so important, right? And I think, yeah. I think it's kind of uh, maybe what's great about you know, doing a podcast. You, I think a lot of people could do this solo and a lot of people do, but I, I always think of this as it's, it's so much better together. You I know? agree. Right. And of course, like with, with anything you do as a group, the uh, the highs can be that much higher because you have it right, and the lows aren't as low. So when you have a good circle around you, like you had with with you know your band support, like your friend had with the CrossFit community, I mean the community, right? It it 
it's like it, it made me think of like you know it takes a village right and maybe that doesn't just stop from like when you're a baby it takes a village to raise the kid it's like well like at, at any point you might revert and you might need the village to take care of you and it's so freaking important right um i had a couple questions uh when when you had the accident i'm really curious uh what was the response from your mates and what was your own response to yourself knowing that you you were so tired like blacked out and you woke up you came to and it's here's the thing uh did and and did you really have the time to process then going back once or two weeks later uh or or you know and and how did you guys work through that together so that i guess eventually you could maybe forgive yourself um i don't know it's 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 tough you know there's there's definitely a part of me that's that does feel guilty but at the same time it's like it could have happened to any one of us you know because when you're on tour in a van um you get used to being shot not not sleeping good i mean you just you're like you know first couple nights and you're like oh this sucks but you just get into the state of like a stiff neck from playing shows or i don't I mean, 40, I, I 48 know. hour what days. Get? No, but I mean, like I was, I was the driver, right? I was the ma- I drove more than anybody. 48 hour days was very common multiple times a week. Yeah. It, you know, and, and it was part of not to, not to, um, cut you off, but part of my own issue with, with driving was that I was worried about, I, I couldn't sleep if I, you know, if somebody else was driving, who I didn't trust fully. And there was like one other person that I truly trusted to drive safely and like get us there without fucking not, you know, not being able to sleep. So I drove all the time and, um, I was, we were really lucky. I mean, there were multiple scares. Luckily we never went through what you went through and what so many other bands have have gone through too, but Mm -hmm. it could have happened like that. And that's why when you're saying it's like the guilt thing, it's like, man, I put myself in, in your shoes having been, probably this, this far away from it happening. And I think that's kind of like the last thing that anybody would really, you know, unless you're like intoxicated, which you weren't and I wouldn't be, but like it can, you can't control that. Like you fell asleep, your body shut down because we are shot. We've been up for 48 hours and just played a show and exerted ourselves and talked to people and aren't eating well. And yeah, not eating, getting any eating good food. What's that? Right. I mean, exactly. It's just like <laughs> and training every day and training yeah. every. Day. So you're, I mean, super depleted. Well, and at that time, it was not like I was, you know, when back then, before I don't even know when. Like it kind of started coming around. Maybe, um, I probably I probably noticed it around 2013, maybe 2012. But you know, mid 2000s, you couldn't get day passes. Like gyms didn't do that. Either you were a member. Or you weren't, or the day pass would be like, well, it's fifty, but it'd be some extortion. I think you're like, I just want to come fucking work out for an hour. Um, so you couldn't go to a nice place. It was so it was always in some hot parking lot in the back of the trailer. We we're like, I don't want people to see me, and I'm downtown somewhere, so I'm just gonna go in the trailer where it's an oven. Miserable. I'm gonna use my little things and sweat my yeah. life out, and I'm probably not gonna eat and rehydrate myself properly. <laughs> yeah, and then you're behind so, the wheel of a, of a of a vehicle, and I mean. With a trailer that has too much weight in it. <laughs> right. And, you know, you talk about Canada. It's crazy how many um, how many accidents I've seen on, like, the QED. Um, yeah. Our first, not, to, not to, again, not to derail, but our first tour, I remember we were, we were leaving Toronto. Um, I think we were on our way to oh, – we lost the video for a second. You're good. Yeah, on, our way to, um, on our way to Montreal, I think – and a dude tried to run across the street, run across the highway, like on foot. 
and didn't make it. And we were like right there and saw it. But anyway, it's just, it's insane to me that we doing this, this profession get put in this situation. Let me, let me rephrase what I'm saying. Okay. Now as a headliner, if we have bands that come out with us that are in vans and we're doing a bus tour, man, I try to like be as lenient and understanding as possible. If those bands need to arrive right before showtime, you know, as long as they stay in contact with us, I don't care because I don't want them to fucking die. I don't, you know, I don't want a van flip situation. Um, that aside, let me just give, do you know Wes Halk? I don't think so. Um, so Wes is a good buddy of mine. Toured with us forever, but he, he plays, he's a great guitar player, plays a bunch of bands. He had this amazing suggestion to stay awake while driving. Uh, so anybody listening who has to drive long hours, don't do it because it's not safe. Like, don't drive long hours. But if you have to, roll your window down and hold your wallet or your cell phone <laughs> out the window. Smart. That's some brilliant stuff right there. And that will keep you awake because you don't want to drop either of those things on the highway. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but that was his suggestion. (laughs) You know, I I have one funny, super inappropriate story, if you want me to tell it. Yeah, sure. Please. So I I won't say his name because I don't know, whatever. I don't think it matters. But so I have a friend in a band that you and I both know. And uh, the... (laughs) So the story goes, uh, he was driving and another one of the dudes was in the passenger seat. And obviously, if you're the co-pilot, you're supposed to stay awake stay with away. the driver. Especially back in the day when we had maps. And remember, remember like the first time you got a GPS, you were like, this is a game changer. I don't have to follow the roads <laughs> or print out my MapQuest directions. MapQuest, that's what it was, it was directions, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The binder full of directions. Yep, yep. Um, so I, so he's he's driving, and I guess the the dude like passed out, and, I, and apparently he was like, yeah, you know, I guess he had done it before, and he's just like, all right, you're gonna pass out while I'm driving. So um, band member X, I know this story by the way. You know this one? I've heard this one. But go ahead. Yeah, yep. he gets a decides to fluff it up and gets a full on baby arm holding an apple, starts working that bird, yep. and then just before he's about to pop off, he he like I don't know if he like hit the horn or they like reached over and like smacked them. I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And they woke up like, what, what? He goes, Oh my, Oh, check this out. Oh, and he started coming all over his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. You just, you have to pass that night. You just watch the dude jerk off. <laughs> dude. It, it, it used to infuriate me being the driver, <laughs> having your co-pilot pass out, but it got to a point where I just expected it because again, there yeah. was, there's very few people who could actually stay awake. Um, and it, it was hard for me too at night when you're not driving and you're in the passenger seat, it's really hard at yeah, three in the morning, four in the morning to, to not start cocking out. I used to, I mean, I used to hit myself. I used to do all sorts of yeah. shit to try to like I'd turn around. I'd stand up, I'd like do all sorts of, you know, acrobatics in the van just to try to stay awake. Never jerked off on anybody or myself in front of <laughs> But you know, it works so it'll wake you up. It, yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. I've I mean, been in the van. I've, I've been on road trips before, but it works. It'll, uh, it'll keep you alive for a minute. Ca- caught people, caught band members doing it for sure. That's you know, in the back. It's like, what? <laughs> what, what was that rustling noise? What? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, George Justin, were you going to say something else? 
I have no idea. I think we took a, a very hard pivot oh, there. We did. So maybe, maybe I'll, I'll take a, another hard pivot. Um, no I'm curious a little bit uh, of, of maybe the origin of what came first. Was it music or was it training? What was like the first passion? And I guess to kind of bring them together, uh, what, what are the kind of like the parallels? Because I always think of me as a young kid playing music and figuring it out. And it was like, I just never stopped. I just, I kept going and going. And it was like, I could have the time to do it all day long. Training wasn't like that for me as I was little. Training became something that I found later in life because I had body composition goals and, you know, just a, a lot of things that led me towards training. And it also led me towards competition that like to, to, to speak to your point of powerlifting, I competed in some powerlifting and some starting strength competitions. Oh, amazing. Because I, I didn't, I didn't have it in me. I wasn't very competitive when I was younger. But as we get older, we don't you don't get those ups anymore. You don't get to really like go compete. You can join like a maybe like a co-ed uh, little sports club kind of thing. You go play volleyball or something. But but I wasn't able to like really go kind of put the the pedal to the metal. And so when I found lifting, I was like, oh shit, I can also like go scratch this itch as well. But I, I didn't put the same effort as I did like when I was little learning music. So I'm curious which one came first for you. Uh, and, and maybe, do you draw a lot of parallels between your training in both? Music, definitely. I mean, since I was, since I literally can remember childhood thoughts, um, you know, I grew up in a house, my parents were always playing records and music, and I have a brother that's 10 years older than me. So, you know, when I, in the 1985, when I was three years old, my brother was, had a mullet with shredded jeans and was like showing me Skid Row CDs and stuff, and Ozzy Osbourne and they had tapestries, you know, like, typical 80s rocker dude so you know i was pretty fortunate to get to be influenced by all that like i said literally is three years old you know like a child um and my mom always had an acoustic uh guitar she used to play a little bit then i'd go and i'd i'd steal it and try to fiddle with it i don't know what i was doing um and eventually they got me lessons and uh you know and i started learning stuff and, and that's all i ever thought about ever was was being in a band and playing music that's just that was that was literally the only. I mean, like I played sports. I, I was obsessed with skateboarding at the time, um, for a good like eight year period. I really wanted to be pro, and I went hard. Like skating was a massive passion of mine. As far as once I once I quit playing sports, like after eighth grade, that was kind of the last thing. Because once I got to high school, you know, I started like uh, started my first bands, and I was I was really into skateboarding and drinking, and you know, like all this other stuff was going on. So I was just competitive sports and being focused just was not there for me. Um, plus like, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So, and I went to, a, my parents were fortunate enough that they, they put me in a, a really, um, good private school, but the, we, I couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford the programs. You know, I got into school, but like the hockey program, I mean, even I think at the time, I think it was like maybe 1500 bucks or something or a thousand bucks for the year. And we're like, that ain't happening. You know, that's, that's way too much. And um, it's so funny. Tuition now is like fifteen grand or something insane. insane. When I went, it was like three. <laughs> the places around here, we're, I'm seeing like thirty thousand, which is like, yeah, it doesn't make any mind, sense. It's, it's mind blowing. But um, so yeah, so high school is when I did my first band, and I like I, I actually started learning how to write. I wrote my first songs with friends and everything. So that was the beginning of that in high school. But music definitely came first. And the training thing, I did. I, I mean, I, I worked out a little bit in high school with a friend of mine, but I mean, just like after school stuff and in his basement and we'd, we'd bench and he had like a, um, like a, a cable machine. We do some tricep stuff and preacher curls and bro pump, whatever. 
And then by the time that I got, uh, when I joined Barrier Dead and I moved to Florida in 2006, I was a skinny 170. Um, and then uh, our guitar by the time, Eric, was a big dude. And he was like, let's actually start training. Let's like get memberships. And let's get jacked. And I'm like, okay. So I actually started to work out. And I mean, you're a basic gym bro, you know, just trying to fluff up and be, I didn't squat or deadlift or, you know, I didn't really understand how to, oh, you don't need to do that bad for this and you don't have to anything. Um, so I was kind of, I always worked out and I always, I honed on that and I, I trained people and I was, I was always more about, um, a mix between, you know, like I, I liked CrossFit workouts and I also liked, um, just standard, um, well, hypertrophy, if you want to call it that, whatever. Um, but then by the, by the time that I was living in Canada and was super depressed, um, because of all that, you know, getting the, being around the community at the time I moved to, to Toronto, you know, to be with her, I didn't have any friends up there. And I was, so I was super just by on my own by myself. And then we had our problems. So I was, I was, I just felt very just alone in the world out there. Hence things getting progressively getting worse. Cause I didn't have my, my people around me to be on, I'd go on tour and that's, I would get my, my bit of that. But at home it was just, all I had was my little chihuahua. You know, like I had my emotional support animal. Um, and then, yeah, I think at that, at that time I was like, I need something to put my energy into. You know, like, what can I do? I miss, I want to be competitive. I want to do this. But I like, you know, being on tour, you can't exactly join leagues in sport. You can't, you know, it's, it's hard to commit to things. So I was kind of like, should I do actually join a CrossFit gym and actually try to compete? Should I try to do a bodybuilding show? Like, I was like, I'm not strong enough for powerlifting. But then, like, when I kind of was like, you know what? It doesn't matter where you start at. Just go do it. So I got my first coach and started working on it. And I fell in love. And here I am, still doing it three years later. So, and it's cool because, you know, I can go on tour and find gyms and, and eat and all that and, and stay up with actual training. Like, it's not really hard unless you're overseas. That's when it gets tough and flying and hotels because you're not eating and you're tired and, um, but that has a lot. That has a lot to do with it, and um, so and now I, I feel like they definitely work together. You know, because they're, they're definitely both big points in my life and things. So they merge at some level, level or the other. You said it doesn't really matter where you start; just do it. I think everyone should should take that and think about it. Right? Like you can't compare your place in in your journey against someone else's. Right? So I yeah. think like for, for the group who's listening to this, I think it's really powerful. If, if it's, whether it's music, you want to start, learn a new instrument, right? Or you want to st- have some kind of movement practice. You don't have to lift heavy weights. You don't have to do bro splits. You don't have to want to do hypertrophy, like put muscle on. You can just walk from here to there. And that can be your practice. You can take one big deep breath and there's your meditation practice, right? There's your, your breathing, right? I, it doesn't matter, you know, where you start. I remember I when said- I started this. I'd, I'd put 185 on my back and I'd be like, I would like, Oh, this hurts. Like, I didn't know what to do with it, you know? And like, it's just a matter of making it all work. And it just takes time to like understand technique and like you're engaging muscles and and motor patterns that you've never done before. So you can't expect to walk into something just like being, you know, like a world-class drummer. You can't, I can't look at you and go, well, I can't, I'll never be like that. So I should just stop. Right. You know, like it, how long did it take you to get where you are? <laughs> My God. <laughs> it's like, it's like, give yourself, you know, maybe like three to five days a week, you know, a couple hours each time for like 10 to 15 years and, yeah. and then reevaluate. 
Yeah. It takes time. It all takes time. All the good stuff. It all takes time. And you know what? And that's <clears throat> and there's something that I've learned that's a big thing, especially in and I'm sure you're you're just as savvy as cliche of a, as a as a statement this is, but learn to love the process. That's the best part because when you do go back and go, where am I at now? Where am I at? You go, whoa. You know, like, and it's and it's easy to lose perspective because there's days where I'm like, even, even honestly, even yesterday, I'm looking at my squats. I'm like, man, it's just crazy. I feel like I should be so much farther ahead than I am, but like, you know, like this and that. But then I go, how far along? Have, I mean, I, could I do this a year ago? No, I'd be, I'd be struggling. So shut the fuck up. Get back to work. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, like every little piece of the puzzle every day, every little bit. And that's why they just say, just get your shoes on and get out the door. Just show up. Just to go and do something because every it's all cumulative, you know. Yeah, cumulative. Oh, so we we got to wrap shortly. Um, we're going on ninety minutes, gentlemen. This is great. Damn. Um, we should we should we should wrap shortly. But I wanted to. I did want to ask you one other thing. Um, it was something that Justin and I were briefly discussing, having to do with um, training. So. Do you, what was, oh, I guess the question is, did you use your business savvy to get the quote unquote endorsements or sponsorships that you have for training? Or was that just sort of natural progression from people you have worked with, um, like your, your trainer or just other, how does that, because to me, from the outside world, not really having talked to you in depth about it, it looks like, you know, the band is definitely a serious career for you, but it also looks like training is more than just a very important hobby to you. To me, it comes off that this is another career in some ways. Is that a appropriate statement or? Absolutely. Yeah. Because like, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to paint out the future, but you know, I thought about, you know, like coaching or even my own spot or like, so, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't know what, where it lies for me, but I love training. I love the atmosphere. I love sharing knowledge. I love learning. I, I like, even with my dudes at the gym, like there's nothing cooler than watching people get together and same way there is at a show. You're literally creating this kind of vibe, this energy. And, you know, it's, I talk a lot with my gym owner about this cause he's an old school bodybuilder. He's been doing it for 30 years and, you know, he had a very, very successful career in, in, in pharmaceuticals, big, big time. And, um, he gave it all up because he's like, you know what? I'm doing this, but you know, like training and competing and like, that's always been my passion and I need to be around this stuff. This is the thing that gets me out of the bed in the morning is people is like people who are dedicating and, and working hard. And when you own a gym, you know, as I've, I've worked in a few and I've obviously I've in the places that I've lived, I've been involved with a lot of them on one way or the other. Um, the community and the vibe is everything, the training atmosphere. And that's what I try to tell people about. I, I'm a big fan of get away from a commercial gym. Don't just go to an LA fitness with your headphones on. Like go to a place where there, where people are there to, to push themselves. You, it's going to, it's, it's going to have a carryover to how you, you know, like you approach your training and like your mindset. Because if you go to a place like planet fitness, where it's all, it's fun. What kind of results are you going to get? You know, it's it's a, a bag in the wind floating around. You know, that's it's you're just occupying space. And I'm not saying that you can't get results there. Don't get me wrong, but being around like-minded, that whole like warrior mindset or that or 
whatever you want to call it, um, that's where I feel like you can really find out what you're made of and push yourself and get real results that much faster. Um, but, you know, we talk, he's like, I, I gave this up because I, I need to be around this. And this is what enriches me. Like, making money is cool, but, like, building this community, and he's kind of the guy, the top guy. Like, he's the dad of our, our community. And um, I don't know. It's a great, great thing. And um, what was the question again? I mean, I can uh, – to your – look, that, that's a great – I could see you being that. At some point, you know, having the torch passed to you because of your understanding of the power of community, um, knowing yourself, knowing what you really enjoy and, and the ways you push yourself and the, the, the passions you have, it all makes sense. I mean, you are, um, you're driven and that's something that could, could definitely transcend. I, I think, suffering. <laughs> yeah, right. Look, ultimately, uh, he's passionate, right? But you're passionate about the stuff that you do. And then, and I, I think that is what translates so well. And and when and when I asked Matt, I said, "Hey, I see these different brands, uh, Bubbles repping." I was like, "Well, is is he like like what's do, do you know the deal? Like, is he is it like sponsorship kind of thing? Is he part? Is he like an owner of one of these?" Because uh, from my perspective, I was like, "Oh, I clicked on something on Instagram, and then I, I kind of got lost." And I and my head was like. Oh, it looks like maybe you own one of these brands, and I was like, "That's like what an." It amazing- might have been. It might have been inspired Nutra. Okay. Something. Yeah, no, I, I was yeah. just really pumped that uh, whether this was like whatever the deal was, it was something that came from a passion, and and that was clearly evident. Well, as far as far as the sponsors, it's always been, you know, I'm not a gifted lifter. I, I'm not out there. I I can't, I can't squat 600 pounds yet, I, and people in my weight class do, um, and and so forth. You know, the, the numbers are whatever. You know, I I'm, but but like I'm consistent, and I I think I have a very um, good foundation of like the movements and mechanics, but it's always been me just talking to companies, selling myself, you know, like it's not just about that. I, um, my numbers or anything. It's about what I bring to the table as far as a person, you know, and companies want to invest in people. I mean, I guess on a real level, I mean, obviously there's people that have big accounts and it's, it's, it's numbers and dollars and how it translates. But, you know, I know with inspired just dealing with, with Chris um, who owns that company, um, you know, he genuinely just, he wants to have people on board that you know, bring positivity and like a real, a, a good mindset. It's all about, it's not just about, Hey, I got this guy who has some big account pushing our shit because whatever it's, you know, it's about once again, the community and like, who do you want to be associated? Who's repping your brand and do you want to be associated with them? Sure. So, yeah. Um, and what was the, I guess the question is, for anybody listening who is passionate about something and is looking to get involved more with a brand, you know, align themselves with it. For you, do you reach out um, cold call style? Have you had people approach you? What's been your method of of acquiring those relationships and, and fostering them? Um, it's kind of different every time. Sometimes it's it's through. It might be through somebody like I'll, I'll hit people up like yo, like that company's sick, whatever. Like I would I would love to reach out. You got a contact? It's the same thing, you know, with in music. Like, hey, I'm looking for a stick company. And how, how, are the, how are the artists? I think, it, or or an instrument or whatnot. But it's the same thing in sports. It's um, I reached out to people. I've also just cold DM'd companies. Like, hey, like I would love to work with you guys. I, I as, you, as you can see in my story, I use your stuff. I would be really cool to, to work on something together. Um, you know, I just did a, a sponsored thing for Corn, the meatless company. Like, 
if you see my page, it's me cooking steak most of the time or tons of things. But at the same time, I was, you know, like I got in touch with them and I was like, this could be really cool because at least I'm also providing content for not just the meat eater family or meat eaters, excuse me, um, that follow me. There, I do have a lot of vegans and vegetarians and I was like, this would make, would make sense. Um, to branch out and do something different, and it ended up being great. And they they made me a chef coat that has my name on it. They, I'm like, you, you know what I mean? That's like to me, it, it just show, goes to show you like they're appreciating the work that you're putting in because it's not just not just a post. Hey, here's this. I'll slap, slap it on my page. Who cares? Right. You know, like I put I put time into those. Yeah. And and they see that. So it's if you know if you're going to work with a company, make sure that. Um, it's mutually beneficial, is all I'm going to say, because that's the that's how you get called back. That's how you keep people, you know, coming to the table and and giving you work and, and wanting wanting to you know collaborate with you. It also helps too that you know when you are truly a a supporter naturally of a certain brand, right? Like when you when you've bought product without the idea of a sponsorship or a relationship with the brand, and you can speak to that honestly. Um, it's funny when when you were posting about. Uh, fucking nuts. Um, you know, I, I saw it through, uh, who, I think it was like Leah, maybe I saw her like posting about it. And then I, um, I got some, I was like, Oh, that looks delicious. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Started posting. And about it's amazing. It. Yeah. Started posting about it and tagging them. And then Brandon reached out to me and was like, Hey man, this is awesome. Let me send you some stuff to try out. Yeah. You have same, any, same. If you have any flavor ideas, let me know. And it's like, man, that it's just, and I've spent like now, like, you know, lots of time communicating back and forth of like, what about this flavor? What about this flavor? Try this, try that. You know, it's just, it's, it's a really, it's cool. And so many of the endorsements that I have, even outside of music come from just randomly, um, I don't know, just random conversations or, or, or genuinely liking something and stumbling upon it, you know? Absolutely. Um, and then you, then you get there. So I don't know anyway, but I, I was just curious sort of how it, um, how it, all sort of has been transpiring for you because again, I opened up my inbox and I had bought some of like the, the, the greens from inspired Nutri before. And then oh, I opened cool. up my inbox and then there you are. And it's like, Oh, I, I mean, I guess I knew that you, I know you use their stuff, but I didn't know that you were working with them in that way. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was, that was really cool. And it's just for anybody listening. I mean, again, don't just start reaching out to random companies for endorsements and things like that. But if there is something you already are very passionate about and, and care about and are invested in already, it's okay. It's always good to, to let companies know that. And if you do have something to offer through your community, then there might be a really good serendipitous relationship that is mutually beneficial that can be developed through honest interaction in that way. Um, so I was just, but again, I was just curious if it was something that you did cold call uh, or reach out to like through DMs or if it was through relationships or whatever it may be, but. Um, Inspired was, um, I was connected to them through Leah. Okay, cool. Yeah, because she works with them and, um, and uh, yeah, I just find out like I was, I was with Muscle Farm for a long time, but uh, they just, you know, the, the company itself went through so many changes and, uh, it didn't, it, I wasn't, I wasn't, it didn't feel right anymore. So, you know, I don't, I don't need free stuff. I mean, I, I want to work with somebody who's gonna, you know, there's a, did you ever watch that show ballers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the, I think it's the first season, you know, when, um, who's the running back, Re- not Reg, um, the guy with the, um, the, 
like the big beard, yeah, the right? Beard, yeah. yeah. I What's can't think of his name. I can't think of it. I've watched his show in so long. It's been a while. Well, you know, there, there's a scene when he's, he's, he's got offers from all these different companies and he's flying around. They're all up on their million dollar contracts and he goes to Louisiana and they're like, we want to do this and that. And he's just like, he's just not impressed because he's like, where's the love at? And he's kind of doesn't get it. Like, but you don't want money. Like, well, I'm giving you money. Like, where show me the love about yeah and then all of a sudden they bring that parade out and you're like okay and and obviously that's on a much bigger scale but i don't know i want to work with people that go we think that you fit like what can we do you know that's mutually beneficial what and it's and i've seen you know from companies like kiesel who i've been with for i don't know two years now whatever um I talk to the owner all the time and they do stuff and they're like, Hey, let's, let's work on this together. And like, let's come up with something cool. Like you want to feel like somebody's investing in you. It's yeah. not just a, Oh, Hey, you got think, Uh, yeah. Can you just put the, yeah, here's your paycheck. Cool. All right, cool. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. It's, it's cold, you know? Um, and I've just always been about sound relationships and connecting with people. And like, it, it should feel like, well, we have a, a symbiotic relationship together to like that. Everybody's winning, you know? It's, yes. It's, show the love you know well and it's it's also what's really cool now too um and this is overstated for sure by a lot of people and, and it's said all the time but but you know i'm thinking about it now because of like sort of the, the pathways to things but um you know how easily you can discover people and their content um through your friends and the amount of value that can be found through just through, through that kind of content. And essentially what I'm referring to is I was thinking about like, how did I even stumble across Leah? And it was because you posted something, one of her 60 seconds of science things that blew my mind. And I was like, this person just sat down. Oh, I'm talking about it differently. Okay. Gotcha. I'm talking. Okay. That's what I'm talking about is, but you, you shared something like that. And I was like, this person sitting down in front of a camera and spewing this ridiculous information in 60 seconds as fast as possible. That's mind blowing. And I'm learning something. And then I also, you know, discovered the, the she's so the smart and stupid. Yeah. It's <laughs> mind blowing to me, but like it was so interesting. And I guess my point is it's, it's what's so cool is that when you find um, just when you post something, because I know you and I trust you and I know you're an expert in certain areas, I'll pay attention more to it. And I guess if, if people listening again are seeking out good information, the best place to start is to, align yourself with other friends who have similar interests who are also aligning themselves with other new friends that have similar interests. And you continue to sort of seek out information and knowledge and different things that can, you know, um, elevate you or, um, you know, make your life better, which is definitely the way that I learn about everything now through all of my friends is just like, Oh, wait a minute. What is this thing? You know, why I got into Wim Hof breathing or why I get into cold exposure or eating you know, amazing peanut butter. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I, the whole, all this whole time, I'm thinking about like my fridge is right there. I'm the nut. My jars are right in front of my face, and every time I look up, I see them. And I just, right. What's your favorite? So, what's your favorite flavor? That that cookie dough one blows my mind. That's yeah, that's really good. I was I was just I, telling Justin to order uh, monster cookie. And schnozberry. And schnoz, dude, the schnozberry. We had the schnozberry. Oh my god, it's the it's. <laughs> Those two are my favorites. I do like the cookie dough a lot. It's, I mean, it's the, those big chunks of, oh, yeah. But no, the snozberry and the, um, 
and the monster cookie are next level. I'll have to, I'll have to get some. It, dude, it's so good. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, we should take this out. Um, but just for me, I, I'm really glad that you said yes to come on. I think that there was definitely some great conversations. I learned things about you that I didn't know before, which is always the goal. And hopefully everybody listening can take some stuff away. Um, but it's always good to talk to you, man. I, I feel bad because I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't message you that day because I, it was just like too cheesy to do so. But I had it on my calendar when you guys were supposed to be in town because we were, you and I were going to go get breakfast mm-hmm. and I had the notification pop up and I was just like, man, that's sad. Like that sucks. That would have been fun. I was like stoked to show you certain good places in Baltimore to eat. Um, yeah. That's all right. There's other times. Yeah, there'll be other, exactly. That's why I didn't make a big deal. I was like, yeah, there'll be another time. We'll, we'll get together. Um, but yeah, anyway, That's man. A, it was the last day of tour anyway. You know how that goes. You're just like, oh, I just want to get this. Just get me out. I want to go home. Was it? No, no. I'm talking about recently when it was, was that going to be the last day when COVID hit on that tour? It was, it was more recent. It, oh, oh, you're talking about that one. Oh, the yeah. Coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you meant uh, no, when, of our last tour. No, 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 no. The, whatever the one that was supposed to happen in the past. Oh yeah. 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 That's uh, not happening anymore, which is really cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. I haven't, I haven't worked since December 3rd, but it's cool. Yeah. It's all good. No big deal. (laughs) But anyway, well, thank you for being on. You know, I, I genuinely had a really, really enjoyable conversation with you guys and thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, I definitely dove into some stuff I've not talked about on podcasts before. So we have a knack for uh, we have a knack for pulling that out of people, but that's the that's the point. That's why I said to you before. I mean, we're not looking to talk about stuff that everybody's hearing about right now. I think the whole point is to show that there are levels to to people, and there's that. Agrees. Agrees. <laughs> he totally agrees. Anyway, I'm going to turn it over to Jordan. Jordan, take us out, bro. Cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, bubble. Yeah, I I learned a lot about you, but I I think. Look, I, I, I really respect uh, your the way you attack your passions, the way you learn to stay in the game in order to just, you know, whether catch breaks or just create your own breaks. Um, I, I think a lot of people can find a lot of inspiration, uh, even if they don't care about music or fitness or whatever it may be. Um, these are universal truths that we can all apply to our lives. Um, but, but what I take away most from this is that like, it's just about people, you know, you seem to really get that, whether it's your philosophy of, uh, creating culture on a tour, uh, being a tour manager or being in a band or in your fitness communities or the ways that you, you vibe with, uh, brands or other businesses, uh, or perhaps the people that you uh, share a home with. Um, (laughs) at, at the end of the day, it just, it comes down to people. Um, and the person that we choose to become uh, is often what uh, attracts others to us. Like you said, uh, you may not be the most elite uh, squatter in the world, but people in the fitness community may want to fuck with you because you're a solid dude. Uh, yeah. And I think oftentimes we put our, uh, our job role or our skill set on a pedestal and we don't put who we are as human beings uh, uh, we, we don't place as much importance on that. Um, so I, I thank you for sharing that with us um, and sharing who you are in, in deeper ways. Uh, so much, much respect uh, for you for that or to you for that. Uh, real quick, I want to say uh, we mentioned YouTube. Um, uh, obviously, Facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. Uh, we are recording this on Thursday, June 11th. Uh, you will be hearing this the following week. But if all goes according to plan, 
then on our Instagram at Chocolate Croissants Podcast, there will be episode one of what's called Puff Pastry. And that is a, uh, a mini episode of sorts, an Instagram live uh, with our community members, with uh, our fellow sisters and brothers in the Chocolate Croissants uh, community. Uh, again, if all goes according to plan, uh, Brian Wang will be uh, the person on episode one. Uh, we all agreed he would be a great fit for that. Uh, so head over to Instagram and check that out. It'll be archived um, in the posts below. Um, that is it. It is about people. So uh, become the best person you can be uh, and go attract some cool people to do interesting shit with. Uh, here is some bells to listen to. I'm going to put the bells on the table. I'm going to take the earbuds out of my ear. I'm going to walk about 10 feet away and then I'm going to say... <laughs>